This is Transit Unplugged. I'm your host, Paul Comfort. Welcome to another edition of Transit Unplugged In-Depth, where we bring you long-form interviews with some of the world's leading transit executives. On today's episode, I'm excited to bring you an interview with Laura Kaprowski, who is the Chief Executive Officer of the Toledo Area Regional Transit Authority, or TARDA, in Ohio. She talks about their recent win at the, at the ballot box with an increase in local funding source, a dramatic increase in funding. She'll also tell you about adopting their new strategic plan, hiring a new leadership team, creating a new brand and image for TARDA, and a brand new customer experience department there, as well as a look at what their plans are for fare-free transit heading into 2022. All that and more on this episode of Transit Unplugged. Thank you for being with us each and every episode. This is Transit Unplugged. I'm your host, Paul Comfort. Great to be with you on another edition of the world's leading transit executive podcast, Transit Unplugged In-Depth. And today I'm excited to have with us as our guest, Laura Kaprowski, Chief Executive Officer of the Toledo Area Regional Transit Authority in Toledo, Ohio. Laura, thanks for being with us today. Oh, sure. Excited to be here, Paul. Yeah, both of us are under winter weather stuff going on. I'm in Maryland, you're in Ohio, and we both, uh, I think, have a lot of cold weather, wind, snow, all that jazz, huh? Oh, yeah, we do. We're, we're expecting to start out our day at a balmy 35, 36 and see ourselves uh, nosedive to maybe one degree, but wow. it's January. That's right. <laughs> yeah, welcome. Happy New Year and all that, huh? So, Hey, uh, great to have you with us, as I mentioned, and you've got a lot going on there. We have a lot to dig into today, uh, but first, I was wondering if you could just give us some context for your agency. Tell us a little bit about the scope of services you run there, drivers, budget, all that stuff. Yeah, sure. Happy to do that. So just a little context, we'll start with the Toledo metro area. Um, we are home to the fourth largest city in Ohio, and we're right kind of on the state line with Michigan. And so a very heavy manufacturing um, part of this community. Um, And our transit system is celebrating 50 years of existence. So we are a bus only. Um, We have paratransit. We run 28 fixed routes. And we also run the transportation service for University of Toledo. And then finally, we also have a service called Coloride, which um, we're looking forward to migrating and modernizing that into something that is um, more at the forefront of microtransit. But that is operated in our six suburban communities. So we actually currently at this time operate in seven communities, city of Toledo, and then six other suburban areas. And like uh, employees, budget, those kind of things? Sure. So, so our budget is right about 28, 30 million annually. And then we have um, about 250 employees. And, you know, as far as um, drivers go, that is definitely um, a little more than half of that are our bus operators. Um, and we also have three facilities. We have a main campus for a fixed route, Coloride, maintenance. It's pretty large. Um, operation. We have a downtown transit hub um, that is open six days a week. And then we also have our paratransit facility, which is um, also right near our Amtrak station as well. Very good. Mm -hmm. And how do you handle paratransit? Do you uh, tell us about the contracting mix? I think you do some yourself and you outsource some and those kind of things. 
Yeah, right. It is a combination. It's kind of a public-private partnership is the way we approach our paratransit service. And we do have um, 40 bus op- 40 operators right now that help us provide that service. Um, it is seven days a week. So our own drivers are working um, six days a week. But we have a really robust um, utilization of this program. So we actually work with three other local providers, service providers, to help us provide the majority of our rides. Um, And certainly, like everyone else in the industry, we are actively trying to hire more um, drivers for this service. Yeah, that's that seems to be one of the hot trends coming now into 2022 is everybody needs um, more operators. And I know that. you know, coming through the pandemic, a lot of especially skilled mechanics retired, et cetera, a lot of drivers. Um, where are you at? Let's talk about um, bringing back service levels. Have you come back to full service after your cutbacks? Tell us uh, about ridership now that we're in January of 2022 versus, you know, pre-pandemic, anything like that. So you can let us know how your recovery is going. Sure. Sure. Well, like everyone in March 2020, we just really extremely dialed back. And because of COVID, um, and it was actually this in the summer, July 2021, where we were able to basically restore service. Now, not only was TARDA dealing with the pandemic, we were also dealing with financial situation here, which um, look forward to talking about how we've changed that trajectory. So um, actually, with the help of um, the federal you know, CARES Act funding and restoration funding, I mean, we were able to bring back service, not just to something that was, um, you know, pre-pandemic, it was actually kind of more pre, um, before TARDA was facing this um, financial cliff. Um, And so we are still at this point, we're six days a week. um, And, but we've been able to start our service very early, those morning trips, you know, starting 5, 5, 5.30 a.m., are critical for people to get to work. Um, And we've tried to push it as late as we can. Um, During the pandemic, just interestingly, we had two major Amazon facilities open up in our community. They were looking to hire, you know, somewhere, you know, upwards of 3,000 employees. So we we had to adapt and, and work with that major employer. And so we were expanding service um, out to the major facility that was hiring 2,500 employees. And then the second facility, interestingly, that already had good service. Um, But what we found out is that a number of the drivers that they're hiring at this Amazon facility don't always have cars. So some of the subcontractors they work with rely on our van pool program. And that's how they're getting their drivers, their employees there to that location. So um, yeah, we really haven't been able to slow down. Um, and our ridership consequently on the paratransit side, we are basically at 90% of ridership oh, wow. coming back. Okay. Um, yeah, and I think that says a lot given that that is a fragile population, you know, older okay. adults, people with um, maybe compromised immune systems, but they need us. They're, they're getting back to work. They're trying to get to appointments. And then again, as far as work goes, um, up until this most most recently, we were kind of back to about 80% of our ridership. Wow, that's great. System. 
Yeah. Now, during the time of the pandemic, you've been very busy behind the scenes, I know, working to transform the agency uh, with a new plan, a new leadership team, a new brand. Tell us about all kind of the renewal that you've been leading there, Laura, as CEO. Yeah, yeah sure. Thanks, Paul. Well, it was probably about two years ago that transforming Tarda um, got going. And I have to give a lot of credit to laying the groundwork and doing a lot of the hard lifting to our former CEO, Kimberly Dunham. Um, oh, yeah, she, she, yeah. she is. She is fantastic. And um, she's now at JTA doing great things. Um, yeah, with our friend, we, yeah, with our friends down in Jacksonville. Yeah. I hope to go down yeah. there, by the way, in a couple months and film one of our TV episodes with those guys. So that'll be, they got oh. a lot going on. Nat's got a lot oh. going on there. Yeah, absolutely. And um, so anyway, Kim did um, a marvelous job at um, building, creating the vision that we all got excited and passionate. And I was the first one she recruited. Um, okay. I say I'm a Glass City boomerang, which means I grew up in Toledo, left, came back. Um, because I saw that saving a system, but actually a lot of the projects that we got to do, I mean, if you get to do one of these, like a system redesigning your career, right. that's awesome. But the fact that we could do it, I could do it again, it was too hard to pass up. Um, so along with Kim, we rebuild a whole new leadership team here. Um, we pulled in talent from across the country, from California, from um, Kansas City, from Texas. Um, and so we have this excellent team of leaders joining us in every facet. And um, along with that, our board is fairly new. And so we needed to adopt a new strategic plan, new mission, new vision. Um, our mission, I think, could not be more timely for this industry and our and really Tarta as well. It's empowering, it's empowering people to make connections. And I think it just goes to speak that public transit is one, as much as I love a great new bus too, it's about people and how we move people in all those different ways. Um, and then finally, the piece that you talked about is the new rebranding. Um, we really had an image issue in the Toledo area. Um, we had the oldest fleet in the state for a large system. Most of our vehicles, 11, 12 years old, we were taking hand-me-down vehicles from our friends at Coda and Dayton RTA. And we weren't even bothering to um, rebrand the buses. <laughs> um, yeah. So when I arrived, I mean, there were multiple colors of buses yeah. around town. Then they did um, that. Yeah, so we have been intentional. I mean, our brand is our image, is what we sell. So we have a new wrapped uh, fleet that is consistent, but awesome. we also upgraded our um, our logo, our image. You know, just how you present yourself is so key. And I would say that um, that is just paying off in dividends because we had a very successful result at the ballot in November. Yes. That, tell us about that. Okay, sure. Um, so for 11 years and four tries, Tarta has um, tried to do two things. One, expanded service to all of Lucas County, our metro county. Right now, we only provide service in seven communities. And, you know, that means we're not getting to all the jobs, to all the residents, um, and more. 
And then the second is we needed to um, have a more sustainable local funding source. We are currently funded by two property taxes that only bring in $13 million. Our estimated needs are for local funding is more like $30 million. And so we needed to move to a more sustainable um, funding source. And we identified with the community, the sales tax, a half percent sales tax. So in Ohio, um, ODOT is a great partner of ours, but they really set up the model um, with public transit system that it's going to be more, it's going to be primarily locally funded and locally directed. Um, so November 2nd, 2021, um, we did two historic things for this community. We got on the ballot, first of all, um, after four tries, 11 years. And wow. then second was we were victorious. So 55% to 45% um, of approval from, from the community. And so we, we are so excited um, that we got that approval and really that mandate that public transportation needs to be, they need more service and they see the value in investing in it. That's great. Congratulations. Thank you. What a big Thanks. win. Now you've yeah. had a background in, uh, in Ohio working for a number of uh, trans agencies and communications, government affairs, et cetera. Tell us a little bit about your background and what led you to this. And that probably had a lot to do with the success of the ballot because you kind of, you've, you've worked in that arena for a long time. Yeah, sure. Well, well, yeah, I've had a 25-year career in transportation. My very first job was um, selling rideshare, <laughs> rideshare portfolio to employers in the Columbus area. So it was public transportation, van pooling, car pooling. Um, from there, I moved in and really expanded into communication, marketing, government relations. And I've done government relations at the local, regional, state, and federal level. And as I was, um, and during this time, I was working at the Mid-Ohio Regional Planning Commission, Columbus. Um, and that's a very progressive organization. Really, it has always, I mean, they helped stand up and get CODA going, Columbus. So we've always had just been like family, to be quite honest. And so... Um, I was doing a lot of joint government relations work, um, as well as communications with the CODA team. And so um, just it kind of made sense to sort of make that more official and join the team. It was when Curtis Stitt was the CEO there, and it was an incredible time. Um, we were launching um, our downtown circulator. We started an Air, Air Connect service to and from the airport. We implemented a redesign of the system, um, and we did a whole host of other initiatives. Um, and after Curtis left, then I got the opportunity to work with Joanna Pinkerton, their new CEO, and get to um, be a part of starting some new initiatives, such as Microtransit and Coda Plus. Um, and it was a great journey, very exciting. And... Um, then I went on to lead as executive director of the Ohio Public Transportation Association. That was a just kind of this um, unique experience to go around the state, um, connect more deeply with a lot of the partners I'd been working with over the years, um, but to advocate for our industry at the state level 
Um, and it was just good to learn that over 60 systems in the state and just both the difference and the cutting edge work that they do. I don't think everyone knows or recognizes that how rich in public transportation Ohio is. Um, and we have a phenomenal group of colleagues here. But um, through all of that, I, I became aware that Kim Dunham was you know, going to lead TARDA. And I think like a lot of people, what COVID did kind of resets where you want to be and what you want to do in life. Yes. And, you know, back to that glass city boomerang piece, I was like, wow, I, I want to go back home and, and make a difference. And I kind of want to also be back home. Um, I've been gone for over 20, it was about 25 years. Wow. And my husband grew up here. Um, we, we knew that this was kind of a special time we might have with some of our older family members. Yeah. And um, also, I thought it would be really um, a great way to grow and expand my knowledge in the industry to be at a size, a property this size. Because what's really unique when you're at a place like Tarda um, and a team, you got to dive into every area. You have to roll yeah. up the sleeves. That's right. Um, I'm sure, you know, I don't have a CDL, but some days you feel like you're virtually driving the bus. Um, and it's it's been fantastic. And um, I really have always identified with that customer experience component. Um, and and so getting to build and create a new division focused on that was, has been um, great fun and, and very rewarding. Tell us about that. The, your customer ex- experience, um, you've got a new focus going on there, right? We do. We do. I mean, I think along with the industry, right? Um, yes, that's right. We have identified that that is a key component because ridership can fluctuate, but the experience always lasts. And interestingly, as I've gone around, um, meeting with the community, meeting with our riders and key stakeholders in the Toledo area, they don't ever ask me, what's your ridership numbers right now? What they always want to talk about is the experience, what they liked, what they didn't like. Um, So with customer experience, what we needed to do was one, I mean, we've hired some individuals, um, a customer care, two customer care um, focused positions. and we also have stood up a department with that name and that focus, although the ownership is throughout the organization. But then we needed data. We needed to know, okay, baseline, where are we at? So we have committed to doing a customer satisfaction survey for a fixed route in Colorado, and then a second customer satisfaction survey for paratransit. We did our first one last year during COVID. Um, It was very insightful. And um, one of the things we also did was we have now committed subscribed to having an NPS, a net promoter score. Um, Our friends at TransPro have helped us with this and continue to work with us. You know, it's just that. Mark is great. He is. And Aaron and and the team. Yeah, Aaron's great too. Yeah. Yeah. And so they're just, you know, it's that one simple question. Would you recommend the service to another? And what we have found is that our paratransit service, and I think in the industry, it generally ranks higher. So pre-COVID, we were at 70% or a 70, um, which is very high and 60 during COVID. 
Um, as far as our fixed route, we were at um, 50 before COVID, um, which is good. Our, our industry is really um, more about 28 um, normally, and so we're 27 last year NPS score. So we know we have um, room to improve there. And so what that service or that survey did was what areas to improve. Right. You know? And of course, some of the things are probably not going to be surprising to me, um, but amenities can, is very high, very high in the list here. We also learned that um, in some of our, and we've been doing a lot of other surveying too, but we have 73% of our fixed route customers right now are transit dependent. I mean, they are using us every day of the week. And um, so making sure that they have a great experience um, and stay focused on that is, is key to what we do each and sure. every day. And, you, and so you've actually started a new customer experience department, right? We have. Patty Talbot is, um, since I moved into the CEO role, she has now taken that on. Um, so it's customer experience and mobility. We, um, our customer service teams are underneath her. Um, we also take a lot of time and attention of what we're doing at our downtown transit hub. It's important. Our customers, we, until we change our system and we're doing a redesign, um, right now, all but four of our routes, all of them come downtown Toledo. Yeah. So we have a lot of customers that need that transit hub to catch another route, you know, another line out. Right. Um, and as they're waiting, they, they need and deserve amenities. So we make sure that we're staying on top of that, you know, clean restrooms, we drinking fountains with water bottle, um, full water bottles. And something else we did that is kind of a cross between our customer experience and adding value to the community is something called the hub of hope. Um, and so that was to bring services right to our customers at the transit hub. Okay. Um, you know, most of our customers currently, um, their, their annual incomes are $25,000 or less. And so there are a lot of services out there that they qualify for and a lot of community resources trying to connect with them. So what we do about one, once or twice a week is we have entities like the library or um, we have um, a food pantry, food for thought. And they're there on the premises, um, interacting with our customers, um, helping them get connected to the services, providing lunches. Every oh, Saturday, wow. food for thought is handing out um, Saturday packed lunches. And it has been um, extremely popular with our customers, but we're also finding a lot of entities in the community want to get to our hub and um, partner with us. Yeah. So I think it just takes it to a unique level. There's many, you know, there's many layers to how we provide that customer experience in our industry. And you've done some other uh, kind of community value partnerships, right? Uh, such as... Uh, in addition to your hub of hope, Toledo Jeep Fest and other things you've been doing. Tell us about those. Yeah. yeah. Well, Toledo Jeep Fest, I'm really proud of. Um, you know, we embrace the fact that we are um, a car city. Uh, we're, we're just an hour south of um, Detroit. But that doesn't mean that all of our community doesn't have an opportunity to use TARDA 
um, for trips in addition. And so the Toledo Jeep Fest has grown a national prominence and it just takes over our downtown. So we brought it back this summer. Um, it was a one day affair. It's going to grow to a three day event in 2022 in um, the second weekend of August. And so what we did is we partnered, we created and wrapped um, a Toledo Jeep Fest bus. We also created Toledo Jeep Fest Express. So um, with that, we wanted to give more and diverse riders or potential riders a taste of the new Tarda. And we wanted them to experience it, like it, see how easy it is, and then come back. So instead of designing something brand new just for the event, we actually used our current Route 19. And we um, really, you know, added a lot of education, outreach, awareness, so that our residents, Toledo area residents, could find how easy it is to park. The idea was come and park your car at um, our local large Franklin Park Mall, hop on the Jeep Fest Express, take it downtown. Um, no worries, lots of streets were closed because we had um, a two and a half hour Jeep Jeep Fest parade. Had wow. no idea there could be that many wow. interesting Jeeps. Yeah. Um, but we saw our ridership on that route um, actually increase by 50% during the day. So, you know, we are a very event-focused community. We have a lot of visitors who come up here um, for our events, for our parks, to be on Lake Erie. So we're excited to um, use our service to do more events and add more community value in the future. Great. And last thing I want to ask you about is kind of going forward. I know that you've been, um, during the pandemic, you've been giving free fares. Uh, and a big topic across the industry is, you know, uh, which agencies want to keep them. Some have started to phase them back in. Some of them are taking into um, consideration more equity and inclusion by making sure they're doing fair capping or providing better context for their monthly passes so the people who don't need to go downtown five days a week, but maybe three can still get a discount. What's your game plan, Laura? Sure. Well, we have been fare-free since March 2020. We um, really felt it was a safe, it was one of the safest methods we we could in, initiate during sure. the COVID pandemic. Um, as time went on, we also realized that our community was, while we were having some successes like Amazon coming to the community, we were also having um, parts of our community were hard hit. And we wanted, we didn't also want any barriers to going to try to get medical attention or um, to have um, vaccines. So we have kept it free. We also, and yet as we look going forward, we realize that we need to bring, bring fares back thoughtfully. Um, so we are looking at in August, 2022, that we will reintroduce fares. We want to give our community plenty of time, but we also need to upgrade the technology yes. that we're doing. So, um, we need to purchase, or we need to upgrade our fare boxes. They are um, outdated. There aren't parts available anymore to replace them. So we'll be working on that. But back to that data piece and why it's so important and valuable um, to us that we do constant surveying and conversations with our customer. Again, we learned um, just about their kind of capacity in terms of most of our customers are unbanked, 
you know, their, their incomes are below 25,000. Um, we wanted to be sensitive to that. And so what we'll be doing is probably from August onwards, a 12 to 24 month transition into being cash free on the vehicles. So we hope to follow our, um, you know, our colleagues in the industry into going, moving to smart cards, moving into mobile payments. We are currently part of the easy fare system. And I don't know if you're familiar with that, Paul, but it's, it's an example of what we do in Ohio um, in terms of partnership collaboration. So there are probably 15 of us, um, Cincinnati, Canton, I know Cleveland has just joined as well. Um, and so we have one system, Easy Fare, that is our mobile payment with Masabi. Um, so we will always have that available, and we have in the past. But again, hopefully, not hopefully, we will yes. be moving to, you know, to a cashless. Um, because as you said, right now, you know, without that, we can't provide those that fare capping. And I think it is so critical. Um, we are definitely one of those communities where this focus and this recognition of equitable transportation. Um, I talk a lot about, I, I am really proud of who we serve. I am so proud because these individuals, you know, they're the ones who are stocking the shelves. They are cleaning our schools and our hospitals. They never stopped working um, and they deserve excellent transportation and all. They also deserve something that is affordable. Um, and how do we do that? So we are very much keeping them in mind. And we also know, too, this community feels very intertwined with TARDA. They like to be involved. Um, we do a lot of public meetings and virtual meetings. And so we want to give the community a lot of time to help us build that plan and transition to the future in being cashless down the road. Well, Laura Kaprowski, sounds like you've got a great plan in place and you're implementing it to help, again, as you've mentioned, kind of continue to weave TARDA into the fabric of your community. Thank you so much for being our guest today on Transit Unplugged. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Transit Unplugged with our guest, Laura Kaprowski, CEO of TARDA in Toledo, Ohio. Now, next week on Transit Unplugged, we have Paul speaking with Karen Philbrick of the Mineta Institute. And then after that, we have the first of two very special episodes, our Legacy Leaders series, where Paul is talking to some of the people who've led the public transit industry for decades, and they look back on the past, present, and future of public transit. If you have questions, comments, or would like to be a guest on Transit Unplugged, feel free to email us anytime at info at transitunplugged.com. So until next week, ride safe and ride happy.